0: Chapter 13. Gom craned his head. Matt was sitting with a crowd of fishermen and talking a fair lick. As Gom watched, one of the men doffed his cap, revealing a bare skull. In response, Matt drew his fingers through his pale, stringy locks, then patted his pockets. The man nodded and held out his hand. From one of his pockets, Matt produced blue glass bottles stoppered with a large cork. He turned the bottle around with a flourish, showing a large white written label. Matt tapped the label, then pushed the bottle at the man. Gom's eyes widened. Matt could read and write. Well, well! Hadn't he believed in Matt all along, defended him to the folk of Braggart on the Edge? He nodded to himself in satisfaction. Even though Matt had been a bit hasty, promising the villagers sure fire remedies that went awry, he could read, and so he couldn't be as bad as people reckoned him. The man threw two silver coins down onto the table, took up the big blue bottle, slipped it out of sight. Matt produced a second bottle, slid his forefinger along the label, reading the directions slowly and clearly, then pointed at another man's throat. The second man pushed a florin under Matt's nose, slipped the bottle into his pocket, and went out. See someone you know, Gom? Essie said. Gom nodding, pointed. That lad over there, the tall thin one with the straight sandy hair, he's called Matt. I bumped into him up north. Bumped into was putting it mildly. In his dash to flee the angry braggart mob, Matt had knocked Gom flying, never stopping to help him up or even apologize. But then, Gom reminded himself, there'd been no time. Hey, let's have him over. Give him a mug of cider, Essie said. I think we can squeeze in another skinny body. Essie sent Brodie to Matt's table. Matt was over in a flash, bowing and beaming. Well, Essie eased herself up and stood, a formidable figure, smoothing down her red evening silk hung with bugles of jet. So you're Matt? Matamore Marplot is my full true name, dear lady, Matt said, then bowed again with great ceremony deeply from the waist. Indeed. S's voice lacked its usual warmth. Well, young man, any friend of Gom's is welcome here. Sit you down and make yourself easy for a bit. She beckoned Brody over. Cider for Gom's guest. Matt perched, slid back, and crossed his long, thin legs. I am indeed at your service, ma'am, he said. But Essie had gone. Not in the least put out. Matt turned to Gom, looking faintly puzzled. You're Gom, I take it. The proprietors called us friends, he went on as Gom nodded. While I do not deny it, indeed I do not, Matt held out his hand to receive the cider mug. I can't quite truthfully recall Gom smiled. We had a Glancing acquaintance up north, in the village of Brackett on the edge, to be exact, when they rang you— Ah, yes, my good fellow, Matt said hastily, looking around. It comes to me now. Yes, a fortuitous encounter, and a lucky one, too. He took a long pull of cider, set down the mug, and draped his arms along the settle back. "'expanding further into S.'s empty place. gom watched in admiration. "'Matt looked so confident, so at ease, "'and not at all awkward and self-conscious. "'He slid one of his arms over the settle also, "'but it was a stretch and quite uncomfortable. "'He quietly returned his hands to his lap, "'Matt looked down at him sideways. "'You with folks?' Gom shook his head. "'Not exactly. "'Neither am I, dear fellow. "'You got folks?' "'You're not from around here, I can tell by your accent. "'Where are you from?' Gom thought a bit. "'I'm from Windy Mountain.' "'Son of a woodcutter,' he said. My father's dead. I'm travelling right now. Matt laughed and clapped him on the back. Dear fellow, my story exactly, except... His smile gave place to a look of pain. You can't possibly know the suffering I've endured. Oh? Matt leaned forward. My poor mother was a herb wife. My father—he clapped her hand to his head—my father was a beast, used to beat my mother, then me. See this? He slid his sleeve up to his elbow, revealing crisscross scars. That's nothing to the rest of me. My father was a scoundrel. He whipped me every Sunday to mark the beginning of the week then every saturday to mark its end when at last my poor dear mother succumbed i ran off taking her remedies with me i was nine at the time i've never looked back oh no and now he leaned back again i'm my own man There's nothing like it, going around the countryside, doing good, dispensing healing and light for mere pennies. Being welcomed everywhere, no one breathing down your back, no more harsh words, no more whippings. But Gom said, recalling Matt's near flogging up in Braggett. Ah! Matt stretched his long legs out luxuriously. For a roving body you are doing well. He jerked his head in S's direction. How did you manage it? Garm shrugged. What were those blue bottles for? Matt looked startled. Then he smiled. It depends. On what? What you need them for. As if by magic, Matt produced two more blue bottles, one in either hand. This, he said, holding up the left one, is for the megrims. This other, he raised the right, is for noisy chests. Gom compared the labels closely. What does that say? he pointed left. It says, for the megrims, take one teaspoonful at night before bed. And that? Gom touched the other label. For the cough, take one level tablespoonful under the tongue whenever the chest becomes troublesome. But, Gom looked from one label to the other, frowning. They both look alike to me. Matt tipped back his head and laughed. They are, dear boy. Gom scratched his head don't see, he said. How can the same label say two quite different things? Simple, Matt said. It says exactly what I want it to say, which is what you need to hear. Where's the problem in that? But what does it really say? How should I know? Matt spread his hands. I can't read, but neither can anyone else. So, when I sell cough tincture, the label's for that. When it's a cure for the megrims, it's for that. Hair restorer, for that too. And for sore throats, warts, bunions, and belly gas. Don't worry. Folk remember exactly what I say, not being able to read. The thing is, Matt lowered his voice. "'they are more impressed by the official apothecary labels "'than they would be otherwise.' "'Gum shook his head doubtfully. "'Where did you get them? "'I acquired a whole crate of them, bottles, labels and all, "'from an apothecary's back stoop. "'Just sitting there they were, quite empty, "'obviously used, don't you know, and waiting to be thrown away.' Naturally, being an obliging chap, I saved the man the trouble and expense. But Gom broke off frowning. The labels looked quite clean and new, the corks bright and unused. Yet, why should he doubt Matt? Gom looked at his new friend uneasily. Matt could have been mistaken. He meant well, Gom was sure. But for all Matt's easy urbanity, Gom sensed that the youth might lack common sense and a good grounding, especially with such an unfortunate start in life. Imagine growing up without a father like Stig to steer one in the right direction. Gom thought of all the scrapes Stig had saved him from and all the ones that he'd gotten himself into despite that. Perhaps it was up to him to help this less fortunate soul. Have you thought, he said, of apprenticing yourself to an apothecary? The strangest expression flitted across Matt's face. Secretive, and perhaps a little smug. Oh, yes, indeed, he said. But... He leaned forward and murmured in Gom's ear, "'I have higher ambitions.' He sat back again and went on in his normal voice. "'Right now I'm looking for an assistant,' he shot Gom a sidewise look. "'Someone who wouldn't expect to be paid a fortune while receiving valuable free training. A lad like you, perhaps.' Well, Gom said, flattered, yet taken aback. I'm not sure that I... Eh, then! Essie was standing over them, hands on hips, looking flushed and displeased. What's this I hear about selling remedies in my parlour? The blue bottles vanished instantly. Who ever told you that, dear lady? Matt's face curved into a wide and ingratiating smile. "'Them two fishermen out there did,' she said, jabbing a finger toward the parlour door. "'There's quite an argument going on because they dropped the bottles in the hallway, and they don't know whose is which. "'If you don't get out there now and sort it out, I'll send for Leachter's men to do it for you.' Matt sprang up. "'I'll fix it in a blink,' he said. You're more than that lad, Essie said, every one knows as I don't allow selling in my house. No exceptions, no favors. I've been burned too many times. Try it again, and you'll not be welcome no more. Matt bowed, my apologies, ma'am. I wasn't aware of your house customs. Thank you for the cider, and good night. He looked down at Gom with a rueful smile. It's not always easy working for other people's welfare, but yet I go on in my old mother's memory. My offer stands. Stall opens at nine sharp. Ma'am, Master Gom? Matt nodded to each and bolted for the door. Essie threw herself down beside Gom. I hope you're not upset, she said, but I've been hearing things about that young man that don't reflect to his credit. I'm not upset exactly, Essie, Gum sighed, but he's not as bad as folk paint him. He had an unfortunate start in life, and he's so quick, you see. That can be a drawback, for when your mind goes at such a clip, you don't always stop to think what's wise. Essie smiled. Love you, she said. I know some other lad as hasn't got folks, but he doesn't go around cheating foolish people. As for the other, that young feller knows exactly what he's at, and he doesn't care about the rights and wrongs of it. While there's coins foiling into his pocket, she swivelled to look him anxiously in the face. Master Gom, it's none of my affair. But I couldn't help over here. If you're thinking to get involved with him, you'd best give it careful thought. Yawning, Gom stood up. Essie, thank you for the advice. I'll mind your words. And now I think I'll go to bed. What time do I start in the morning? Oh, Gum, dear, you don't have to work, you know. Ferdinand Hathel are back and... Gum's face darkened. Well, perhaps after Levenses, then. Give you time to go out and walk about a bit. Take a turn around the market marketplace. She shot him a glance. I hope you're not thinking to take up any secondary employment. No, Gum hedged. But I promised to visit Matt's store. Essie sighed. As I said, Gum dear, it's none of my business. But I'd hate to see you get yourself into trouble on that one's account. Take care. I will, I will, Gom reassured her, and went upstairs. Before climbing into bed, Gom craned out of the window, gazing northward a last time. He looked down over the empty marketplace. Was Tlaeson here? Perhaps he'd come quietly tonight. Up the back stair. He climbed into bed and lay staring up at the silvered ceiling. Waiting was difficult. The not knowing how, or where, or when. For Hager, for his master to arrive. Patience, he told himself. Hager will summon you, and Telesin will come. And if he doesn't, you know what to do. The next morning, the Seto stood in his darkened stall, chomping hay moodily. Well? My master didn't show, but neither did the Yulkinter. You want to walk down to the market with me, stretch your legs, get some fresh air? It's not too crowded at this hour. I thought you'd never ask. Stormfleet stamped his foot. Come on, get me out of here. Gom put the halter around the Seto's neck for appearance's sake and led him down the hill, picking up speed all the way. He was looking forward to seeing the market again and to inspecting Matt's stall. Gom steered Stormfleet across the street and in and out of brightly colored tents and booths. To his delight, he came at once upon the cutler. While Stormfleet poured the ground beside him, Gom took his time, searched the rows of gleaming blades, heavy fish knives mostly, and found the knife he'd so admired before. He picked it up, weighed it, felt the blade edge. Small, finely balanced, light, the handle fit his palm exactly. A perfect wood knife Gum fingered Carrick's coins in his pocket. Let them be. He'd work and wait. Buy it with his own efforts. Perhaps even a new shirt also. Good knife, that. Want to bargain? Gum looked up. Found the vendor watching him. He set the knife down, shook his head regretfully and moved on to find Matt setting out an array of various bottles on a stall made from odd fish crates roughly nailed together, lending the display a crazy tilt. In among the green and brown and clear glass bottles shone the blue, the only ones with shiny white labels and the pestle and mortar, insignia of the Apothecary's Guild. Ah, gom, i Knew you'd come. A fellow after my own heart, I told myself. Matt eyed Stormfleet in surprise. Is that animal yours? We're friends, Gom said quickly as Stormfleet looked about to erupt. Interesting. Have you a cart also, dear boy? Oh, no, Gom said. Nothing like that. Oh, well, Matt shrugged. There's no accounting for, um... He shoved a feather duster at Gom. Here. Start with the top row and work down. They sell much better when they shine. Just a minute. Gom eyed the ramshackle display. Have you a hammer? Matt frowned. Hammer? "'Good gracious! "'Somewhere? "'Why? "'The first wind that blows, those bottles are going to hit the dust. "'I can fix the boxes, make them more secure.' "'You can?' "'Matt eyed him doubtfully. "'Then he reached under a crate and brought out a rusty tack mallet "'and a tin of bent nails. "'Here! "'What have I to lose?' "'Wonderful!' Stormfleet tossed and stamped his disapproval. "'So much for stretching my legs!' "'Matt started back. "'Is it safe? Does it tick?' "'Quite safe,' Gom said firmly. "'With the shins?' he commanded. "'It's only for a little while. "'Matt's a friend, too.' Stormfleet disdained to answer. But Gom could see he was annoyed. Quickly, Gom removed the bottles, set them aside, and with great care prized the boxes apart. Then, as if by magic, he reassembled them in sturdy, level steps and set the bottles out again. Matt clapped his hands delightedly. My dear chap! Where did you learn to do that? How can I ever thank you? Here. He fished in his pocket, took out a small, a very small copper coin. Buy yourself something. Gom took it, laid it in his palm. A penny. Handsome wage for such a little favour. It would, if he recalled, "'Buy a rather large and tasty sticky bun from a stall not far away.' "'Thank you. Thank you very much.' "'No,' Matt said, pushing the duster at Gom again. "'To work. I see a customer coming already.' "'He peered into the crowd. "'You said a walk,' Stormfleet waffled mutinously. I'll not stand around here while you wave those chicken feathers about. I'm off. Wait, Gom said. Just a little longer. I want to see how Matt does. Does what? Cheat honest folks out of their hard-earned money? A large red man in leather breeches and faded blue tunic stepped around the store. Are you the apothecary? he asked Gom. I'm he Matt elbowed Gom aside. What can I do for you? The man pointed down. Is this your bunion on me foot? Can't hardly fasten me boot this morning. Got anything for it? Matt wagged a finger at him. Just the very thing, dear sir. I'll have my apprentice hand it down right away. He nudged Gom. There it is, Master Gom. Top row, third bottle from the right. The label that says, Lotion for Bunions of the Foot. Gom eyed the top row, thinking how Matt could reach more easily than he, counted the bottles out, and took down a blue bottle with a label exactly like the ones he'd seen the night before. He stood holding it, a doubtful eye on Matt. Bunyan lotion. Come, my boy. We can't keep the gentleman waiting. Matt seized the bottle, ran a finger along the words under the man's nose. It says, Apply to affected area twice a day after meals. If swelling persists, when contents of bottle used up. You may acquire a refill at generous discount. Thank you. The man took the bottle, handed over a shilling, and limped off. Does it work? Gum watched the man vanish into the crowd. He seemed to be in great pain. Matt looked huffy. I've sold forty bottles, and not one's come back, and for only a shilling each. The same would cost forty shillings apiece from an apothecary, I can tell you. Look, he said, I still like the way you work. You're handy with tools, and you seem trustworthy enough, so I'll repeat my offer. A job as my assistant for... A tall, burly man stepped up, dressed in fisherman's blue, and tapped Matt on the arm. You sold me one of them sneezing remedies last week. Matt leapt back. I did? What of it? He seemed to have forgotten gone. In fact, his eyes went around him and Stormfleet, looking for gaps. The man thrust a hand deep in his pocket. Here. He brought out a small silver sixpence. Cleared up completely and never been back. He thrust the sixpence into Matt's lifeless hand and walked away. Oh, oh, my dear sir. Matt recovered at once. Thank you so much. "'Only too glad to oblige.' "'He pocketed the silver coin, grinning. "'Well, now, as I was saying, "'never any complaints.' "'Where was I?' "'You were saying,' Grum began, "'but just then a tall, thin man with a stoop "'and a pale, ascetic face popped out of nowhere, "'produced a scroll, broke the seal and unfurled it, eyeing Matt over its top edge. "'You're Matamore Marplot, of, ah, no fixed abode.' "'That's my brother,' Matt said quickly. "'A twin.' "'What can I do for you?' "'I think you know that,' the man said. "'For I seem to remember reading you this same notice on this very same spot only last year.' "'However,' he cleared his throat, Tell your brother, your twin brother, that if he's not gone from these, uh, premises within twenty-four hours, the forces of law and order shall come and help him off. Got that? Matt looked as though the man had shoved a bad fish under his nose. My dear sir! Hey, Gom said, who are you? And what right have you to tell my friend what and what not to do? "'He's not hurting you, and he's nothing to do with you.' "'Matt tugged at his sleeve. "'The man looked down his long, thin nose. "'This, uh, gentleman's brother, "'is a vendor of, uh, quacks and nostrums. "'I have here a list of complaints "'that have been put before the Guild of Apothecaries, "'besides which, don't you know?' It is against the law to dispense remedies and emollients in Penlangor for profit without certification. Last year I had four of these scrolls full of complaints against him. Tis a wonder he wasn't strung up from the highest mast in the harbour. Oh, really, Gon said, folding his arms. Well, let me tell you that he sold forty bottles of bunion remedy alone and not one's come back. Furthermore. Gum warmed to Matt's defence, despite frenzied tugging on his sleeve. A man just came and gave, yes, gave my friend, uh, my friend's brother, twin brother, a sixpence, a whole sixpence extra for curing his sneezes. So you just mind what you say about quacks and such. The man stared, speechless for a moment. Then he rolled up the scroll, and leaning down, "'put his face close to Gom's. "'You're new around here, yes?' "'Well,' he went on, as Gom only continued to glare. "'I dare say you've never heard of honey-thumbs, have you?' "'Honey-thumbs?' "'Pacifiers, young fellow. "'As with the honey a mother sticks on her baby's thumb to stop its squalling.' "'He shot Matt a contemptuous glance.' The poor fool who just now parted with sixpence more than he should have, he cured himself. The man tapped the side of his head. A glass of lake water would have done just as well, which is probably what he bought. He turned to Matt. Twenty-four hours, tell your brother. After that, the law will be around to help him off. The man rolled up the scroll and walked away. Well! Gum exploded. Of all the rudeness! Why didn't you? Matt cut in. That's all right, dear chap. All I do is pick up my display and move to the other end of the market. For as long as I'm here. I'll pay you a shilling a week. A fair sum, as you'll find out if you ask around. The only thing is... You might turn up one morning and find me gone. Gone as in bragged? Gum looked to where the tall, thin man had disappeared. Good gracious, no. Matt flapped a disparaging hand in that direction. Don't pay him any mind. The fact is, I have higher aspirations. Oh? Now Gom recalled hearing Matt say the same thing the night before. Like what? Matt looked around at the folk drifting into the marketplace and lowered his voice. Right now, at this very minute, is a time certain folk call covenants. You wouldn't guess it but not far from here, in a very secret place. Certain people are gathered to make great decisions and to take smart and able young bodies in order to teach them, oh, all kinds of secret things. His voice became earnest, almost intense. I dare say this doesn't make sense to you, but believe me when I say that very soon I shall be embarking on a mission such as would set the good folk in this market place on their ears. He looked around again, then went on, As you've been a friend, a good and loyal friend, why, if I'm lucky, as I'm sure I shall be, then perhaps I shall be able to do you a favour, a bigger one than you could ever dream. Covenants? Did Matt mean to become a wizard too? Yes, and to help him also, if possible. Now there was a friend for you. Why, he cried, are you going to be a... Stormfleet, who'd stood listening all this while, reared up now, neighing loudly. Are you mad? Hold your tongue! Matt backed into his display, rattling his bottles. That beast! Dear boy! He's quite wild! I must insist! Gom didn't hear the rest. For at that minute, Essie burst through the crowd her chest heaving as she strove for breath. Gom looked at her in surprise. Her ample presence seemed shrunken out in the open market and not nearly so overwhelming as in her own domain. Matt's jaw dropped in consternation, but she gave him not so much as a glance. Master Gom. She took Gom's arm and pulled him away. In the opposite direction from the inn, some distance from Matt's stand. Gom let himself be drawn, Stormfleet clopping behind, until she stopped and spread her hand on her heaving chest. I ran the moment I saw them. She glanced back through the crowds toward the inn street. Yulkinta Gum's flesh pricked. Essie nodded vigorously. Four! And Lyokhtar's soldiers with them. We've got to get you away, and quick!